The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Sermon text today is Psalm 67, all seven verses. Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray together. Most gracious God, Heavenly Father, we, we want to thank you this morning. We want to plead you to be gracious to us and bless us with your word. Make your face shine upon us, Lord, so that your name may be known on the earth and your saving power among the nations. Lord, there are many nations the true worshipers are missing. Make this our heart desire and prayer and passion to bring gospel to those places and to those nations. Speak to us this morning through your word. May you be glorified this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Greetings, my dear brothers and sisters. It is so good to be with you, worshiping our Lord together. I want to thank the pastoral team for giving me the opportunity to preach during this Global Focus Week. My wife Abigail and I, we often think of you, we pray for you, and we um, thank God for you. As global partners of this campus, we feel loved, cared for, and uh, prayed for. God blessed us with two growing boys and a beautiful daughter, it's uh, so good to serve the Lord together with our family wherever we are serving. Um, many of you may have known that for the last uh, few months uh, we've been really struggling with many health issues, particularly since August. Uh, uh, we have all been unwell with various fevers, infections, stomach infections. I ended up in the hospital. The next day my son with seizures, he, he was in the hospital, and the next Several weeks, my wife had serious stomach infection. So the doctors have advised to um, have a change of environment, and that's why we are here to rest, recover, and return back to what Jesus has called us. So you know that we are resting well because uh, the other day when it snowed, my son ran out and started eating snow, and I asked him, why were you eating snow? He said, it is gluten-free and it's fresh. <laughs> oh, by the grace of God, we've been involved in the ministry of uh, training church planters through the ministry of Reach All Nations. We've been in the ministry for the last 20 years, and, but currently for the past two years or so, I've been pastoring a local church. I'm enjoying preaching God's word, meeting God's people, sharing gospel with them, with them and seeing individuals coming to Christ. And um, 
through this local church, uh, we have an exciting initiative that we started. We call it as um, Ethne Institute. The, the vision of Ethne Institute is to uh, train church planters to bring, to plant biblically faithful churches in the unreached and unengaged parts of um, India and beyond India. Lord has provided an exciting opportunity again uh, and last year to train many Indian Christians that are located in the 1040 window region. We are excited about the future, and um, so we are thankful for your gospel partnership, not only with us, but with many global partners across the globe. We want to thank the Lord. Uh, we, want, we are thankful for your passion for God's glory and your zeal for God's global mission. And um, um, we want to thank you again for serving Christ faithfully and supporting us well. Well, this is Global Focus Week, and the, the title of my message this morning is A Global-Hearted People, and we are going to look at Psalm 67. The book of Psalm is a collection of 150 prayers and poems from various periods of Israel's history, and some of our favorite and best-loved passages come from Psalms. Athanasius of Alexandria called it as the mirror of soul because in Psalms you find various thoughts, feelings, desires, impulses, and experiences of God's people. For 2,000 years, the church found Psalms to be most important and beneficial resource for worship. It's a, it's a prayer book. It's a hymn book. It's an aid to know God and love God and talk to God in any emotional state that we are in. It has been a fantastic gift for the church throughout the ages. It has been a gift to me and gift to you. And so this morning we are going to look at this ancient Hebrew prayer to see how this is still relevant, inspirational for the global missions even in this 21st century. Psalm 67 is relatively a brief psalm. It has seven verses. The repetitions and the relative brevity of this psalm and its literary connections with the other biblical passages and its um, aspiration for nations to come and worship God makes this psalm very special, very unique. This psalm is also called as a missionary psalm for Israelites, people who have thought that they are the only exclusive recipients of the God, uh, God's mercy and God's call. The missionary intent of this psalm is very uh, made clear by the fact that Jews and Gentiles coming together to worship and our praise our king. The word nations is mentioned three times. The word earth is mentioned four times. And the word peoples are all peoples mentioned five times in this particular psalm. In the Old Testament, in general, any mentions of the nations were typically negative. But in this particular psalm, we see something different. We know through the scriptures that Israel was God's chosen people. They were instructed with regards to the salvation through God. They, were, they have been given the knowledge of God. And the righteous among them 
enjoyed the blessings of God. They looked forward even to a richer blessing under the reign of their promised Messiah, but they usually thought they are the only exclusive chosen God's people. But we see something different in this psalm. The psalmist in this prayer, he longs to see more partakers of the promise and privileges that he and the people of God um, have been enjoying. He wants to see more partakers from the nations. And that's how the God missions were supposed to be from the beginning, but somewhere along the way, they have missed the track. The vision for nations worshiping together is much needed vision um, today for our times for a world that is torn by racial, ethnic, national exclusivism and discard. So my prayer through this preaching of the psalm this morning is that the Spirit of God would take this psalm and create a greater zeal in our hearts to become global-hearted people who would be concerned for God's salvation, would be concerned for God's praises, and would be concerned for God's rule among the nations. And also my prayer is that some of you would be called for the work of global missions during this week of Global Focus Week, during this season. And uh, that call would take root in your hearts and that would survive in your heart at all times, in all seasons, until it becomes a reality in your lives. So in this psalm, we notice particularly three things with regards to nations. Let's unpack this psalm um, verse by verse. First, we see the knowledge of God among the nations, the knowledge of God among the nations. This psalm begins with a prayer for God's grace and God's blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. These verses are taken from the Aaronic blessings, which is recorded in Numbers chapter 6. This was first given by God to Moses for the use of, um, uh, for the use of worship in tabernacle. Then this blessing came to be used regularly in the temple services in Jerusalem. And now it is one of our favorite, uh, Christian, favorite Bible verse in the Christian worship and even in our daily prayers. The psalmist understood that God is the source of all blessings. That's why he's asking God, bless us and be gracious to us. And God's blessings are rooted in his grace. This is extraordinary. This is also our experience, right? Because if you look at our own life and life's history, we don't deserve anything but condemnation and punishment because we all have sinned against God. But God, in his mercy, made a way for us to be saved through the death and resurrection of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. He made us the recipients of God's grace, blessings, and forgiveness, not because we deserve it, but because he is gracious. Just imagine God of the universe being merciful to us and his face shining upon us, being favorable to us. What a gift. What a privilege for us this morning. I come from a nation where there's no lack of religions, but all of them suggest 
that you have to earn favor from God through your good works. You can only earn favor from God if you work well, do good deeds, and then only you can achieve heaven. In one particular religion, very famous one, they believe that on the day of judgment, you would have to cross a bridge as thin as your hair. If your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you would be so light that you could cross into heaven. But your bad deeds weigh more than your good deeds, then you would be so heavy, you can't cross the bridge but fall straight into the hell. There's no guarantee. There is no assurance. I don't want to be in that position. Do you want to be in that position? No. But in the Bible, God's blessings are not based on who we are or what we do, but his blessings are based on who he is and what he has done on the cross of Calvary and because of his grace. Dear brothers and sisters, whether you are the worst sinner or a seasoned believer, we all can unite in the plea for God's mercy and blessings this morning. Even, this, even in this gathering this morning, no matter who you are, how far you have gone from the one true living God, you can receive God's mercy and be saved. I invite you this morning to trust in the finished work on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And those of us who have trusted already in the Christ's salvation work, let's rest in the fact that the grace of God, God who is unchanging, God who is eternal, will continue to hold us fast. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. At first glance, the blessing seems entirely focused on Israel itself because the word us appears three times in verse 1 and then one time in verse 7. But, however, the verse following immediately takes an unexpected turn, an unusual turn. We find a purpose clause here, verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. The psalmist is asking God to be gracious and bless them. Why? So that God would be known on the earth and his saving power among the nations. This looks like a new idea proposed by the psalmist from the rest of the Old Testament, but the idea of being blessed to be a blessing to the nations goes all the way back to God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The blessings given to Abraham would not stop with him. God would bless Abraham, and then through Abraham, all the families of the earth are blessed. As I mentioned before, the literary connections of this passage with other biblical passages is really astonishing. So the psalmist's prayer, not only psalmist's prayer, but God's heart for the nations is that God is known among the nations. 
And Jesus entrusted that task, that mission to his disciples and to his church. And he's calling you this morning. He's calling some of us seated in this room to be partakers of that glorious gospel ministry. Let us remember that. He does not need you or me. He does not require our help. He can complete this mission and task with you or without you getting involved. But... It is a privilege that he is calling us. It is a privilege that he is inviting us to be partakers of this tremendous privilege. Just think for a second. God of this universe is inviting us, calling us to spread the knowledge of God among the nations. Church, the Spirit of God wants the world for Christ. Do you want to see the nations coming to the knowledge of salvation God's salvation, this is not a task just for global partners or just missionaries, but this glorious call is given to each and every living and breathing follower of Jesus Christ. It has to be our life purpose, the very reason why you are being blessed today with God's grace, his salvation, your job, your family, even a solid church like this, so that God's name would be known among the nations. If we can realize this truth, it will change how you would look at your life, resources, time, energy, and finances. My dear brothers and sisters, let me tell you this, that we have a choice this morning. We could get through our life nice and easy, a comfortable Christian life, and yet totally miss God's purpose for our lives, or lay down our life, live, proclaim, and give sacrificially for the sake of the nations. I pray this morning that the blessings that you have received, whether it is spiritual blessings or material blessings would compel you to live a different life, a life that has concern for God's name among the nation, among the nations, God's salvation, God's worship among the nations. I'm not suggesting all of us to sell everything they have and move to missions field, but I'm suggesting that Every one of us have a role to play in the God's work of missions. And then we see here in Psalm 67 that this particular psalm is rooted, its prayer in the Old Testament, but its fulfillment comes in the New Testament with the cross of Jesus Christ. And centuries later, we uh, read Paul in Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who, has, who, has, who is hanged on the tree, so that in Jesus Christ the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So the psalmist's prayer for God's blessing is not to indulge in blessings comfortably for himself, or for Israel themselves, it has a greater purpose. It has a noble cause. If we just stop with blessings, we would miss the whole purpose here. The main purpose for God's mercy, 
the main purpose of God's blessing is so that the nations may come to know Jesus. Because the psalmist knows that the nations around him are ignorant of one true God and his saving power. They do not recognize him. They do not revere him. They don't have the joy. They don't have gladness. They don't have true justice among them. As a result, nations are living under the bondage of sin. They remain to be the enemies of God. They live under the wrath and condemnation of God. They are without hope. So the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ is the most essential and important and needful thing. Yes, there is poverty. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there are many needs. Those are genuine needs. But the greatest need among the nations is that they know that they should come to know know one true God. Because the Bible says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge in him who called us to his glory and excellence. So, psalmist is praying here that God would be known, his blessings and his asking for mercy so that the nations would come to Christ. And the second we see Worship of God among the nations. That's what we notice in verse 3, 4, and 5. Verse 3 reads, Let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The same thing is repeated in verse 5. Psalmist's most repeated prayer is people praising God. Peoples here means the tribes and clans, ethnic groups in the world. Mission experts today estimate that there are up to 17,000 people groups are in the world today, of which 7,417 people groups are considered unreached and unreached peoples, which means 42.6% of the global population, more than 3 plus billion people. Why are they unreached? Because of the limited access to the gospel limited or no churches around them because of the limited workers, because of the, because of the great persecution and greater restriction, and because of the limited resources and finances. Would you like to know top five countries with the greatest number of unreached people groups? This I found from Joshua Project website. Top five countries, India, Pakistan, China, Bangladesh, Nepal. The true worshipers are missing among these nations. As global-hearted people, our desire is not just a few people here, a few people there praising God, but all the nations of the world worshiping Him. This is a call for a, a global worship service. We don't stop the nations knowing God's salvation. We don't stop with Nations just knowing God's salvation, but we want all the people to worship and praise our king. And then we come to uh, a key verses here, verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. 
Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. What is causing such worship among the nations? Why should they be glad? Well, in this psalm, we notice two things. One is the knowledge of God's salvation, and then the rule over them, God's rule over them. God's salvation among the nations definitely brings joy. The shattered chains and the broken bondages will bring happiness. Gospel light in the darkness of a sin-filled world will bring gladness. Why should the nations be glad and uh, sing for joy? Because Jesus is coming to judge righteously, unjustly. Under the rule of the leaders of this world, there is no justice, there is no peace, there is only oppression, there is injustice all over the place, there is pain. But under the righteous rule of God, the judgment is done with absolute equality. Under the rule of God, people are treated justly. So that is what causing the nations to sing for joy. The nations will not and cannot have gladness or sing for joy unless they have the guidance from God, unless God brings salvations to them. Nations may change its administrations, its political powers, one to the other, but unless and until nations would come under the administration of our true king, there won't be any gladness or joy. One of Pastor John's most influential missions book is called Let the Nations Be Glad. The title of that book comes straight from this verse. I'm sure you're all familiar with this section and you might have even by-hearted it, but I would like to quote the first portion. This is how he begins with the powerful words. Mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship does not. Mission, worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal in missions. In the goal of it is a goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of people in the greatness of God. We have a gracious God who blesses us. He blessed us so that the nations would come to know Jesus. And when people come to know him for who he is, they will praise him and worship him for what he is worth. And then we go on to verse 6 and 7. The fear of God among the nations. Fear of God among the nations. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let, the, let all the ends of the earth fear him. That the final verse, like verse 6 here, um, the psalmist is repeating the idea of blessings from verse 1. It seems the recent plentiful harvest inspires his thoughts here. The earth has yielded its increase. 
It is good to remember whether it is a physical blessing or spiritual blessing. It all comes from God. I come from predominantly a rice-growing region. I'm not a farmer myself, but we have a lot of farmers in our church that I often speak to them. So many details are involved in farming, right? The soil, the seeds, the right weather, the availability of labors because we don't have the machines. And uh, they all have to work perfectly well to have an increase in the harvest. And uh, getting, a good har- getting harvest is a miracle, but having an increase is a double miracle. Often people come to me and say, That's what they say in Telugu. The literal translation is, God had a very cold look upon us. The cold is not the right translation, but a favorable look upon us. So we have plenty this year. That's what they usually say. So the psalmist is reminding us that even increase in the harvest is a blessing from God. Thinking of this physical harvest is reminding me to think of the harvest of souls we find in book of Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people received eternal life on the day of Pentecost, which is a feast of harvest. May we see such fruit, such harvest of souls among the nations. Verse 7 we see here, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Recognition of God's blessing among the nations would result in the fear, reverence, respect, honor, and glory that he is worthy of among the nations. The blessing God granted us, call call upon us not only to love and worship him, but also to respect him. Dear brothers and sisters, in this psalm we have seen a passionate prayer for the global spread of God's knowledge. We find a deep desire for salvation of all peoples across the globe. We see an aspiration, an anticipation for the participation of the nations in the worship of God, in the praise of God. We can see the psalmist is longing for the nations to be brought under the righteous government of King Jesus. Henry Martin, one of the pioneer missionaries to India, he once said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. That's what this psalm's heart is. That's what this psalmist's prayer is. That's the prayer. That's the desire. So now, then, what is the status of global missions today? Where are we at? Well, if you look at the major trends trends that are impacting missions today, there are some very positive trends, and there are also very challenging trends that we see. When we talk about the nations, I'm not talking about the political, geographical nations like America, India, Nigeria, but like, for example, India is a one nation, but in India has 2,376 distinct people groups that are unreached. We're talking about those nations. So the positive trends there is an amazing growth of Christ's followers worldwide, sometimes supernaturally. 
We have a brother in our ministry who was born and brought up in a tribal village. He had a serious fight with someone and he ran away into the forest. He was scared for his life. He was there for more than 10 days, not knowing what to do. One day he was sitting upon a tree and he heard a song from a long distance. Song talked about Jesus giving a new life, Jesus forgiving, and he came down from the tree. We are familiar with another person who was on the tree and received God's call. And he went and found out a church uh, where the song was coming from and he gave his life, life to Christ. Think of God's sovereignty. Last year, um, during Christmas service, we have an elderly man sitting in our service after the church service. He was just weeping so much, uncontrollably. I walked up to him and said, why are you crying? And he said, I've lived in this place, never heard this gospel message. I recognize I'm a sinner. And then he went on to say, these hands should be cut off from me because I used to beat my wife with these hands whenever she went to church. Now she is with Jesus. I am a sinner. And that day he came to know Christ. God in a miraculous way leading people. That's a positive and encouraging trend. And then there is an acceleration of Bible translation. By 2025, they want to have Bible translation begin in every language that needs Bible translation. That's a wonderful thing. And also we see the rise of Global South as the center of Christianity. And also we see once the harvest field now is becoming harvest force. Spirit of God is also moving in an unprecedented way among the Muslims, often in a supernatural way. These are all things that we can praise God. But at the same time, there are also uh, challenging trends. For example, I'm so saddened to see sometimes even in America and Europe, among the churches, there's a great loss loss of Great Commission focus and familiarization. There is a lot of information on missions, a lot of preaching on missions. I've been there, done that, got my T-shirt, let's move on. Attitude is seeping into the churches. That is very, very dangerous. And also there are uh, so many limited resources are directed towards the unreached people groups, limited number of missionaries, limited access to the gospel, churches and finances. And also there is a great urgent need for pastors to be trained. More than 95% of the pastors in our region are untrained. Can you imagine an untrained surgeon operating on you? Very dangerous. And also there is a dramatic increase of persecution of Christians among the nations. Um, I have friends and ministry partners and brothers Physically, verbally abused, um, grenades are thrown in their campuses, um, physically beaten up, books are written, social media used against is being used, and also there are many things are being done to persecute Christians. This is a challenging trend that we see. Well, what must be done? Well, from this psalm we understand. Also, let us recognize the fact that all God is the source of all our blessings. Give thanks to him and ask the Lord to show you what he wants you to do with those blessings that he has given you. Be a blessing to the nations. 
because there's a great danger sometimes. Many times we are prone to disconnect God's blessings for our lives and God's purpose for our lives. But they both need to be connected together. Nations need to know God. Nations need to worship God. Nations need to come under the rule of God. And he is calling you and me to go and tell. Remember, Apostle Paul in Romans 15 said, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. And for the sake of that, his holy ambition, he suffered, he sacrificed, he was beaten, ultimately he was martyred for the sake of bringing gospel to the nations. Make this your holy ambition. John Stott, the missions mobilizer, said, unless you and I are committed to the world missions of the church, unless you and I are personally involved in the world missions of the church, we cannot claim to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, I know very well that the traditional teaching is that a few of us are called to go and rest of us are called to give and pray. I don't believe it. All of us are called to go as well as to give and pray. The only difference between us concerns to the place which we go. Some of us are called to go cross-culturally to bring the gospel message to our different nation, but others are called to go to the other segments of godless world, which may be their own home, office, neighborhood, or community. But all of us are called to go somewhere to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me conclude with this encouraging thought. Yes, we are facing tremendous amount of persecution and opposition today. Yes, we see positive and negative trends. But we know, we know for sure that we are heading towards the day when we are able to say, along with Apostle John in Revelation 7, 9, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and all languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out loud, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the unto the Lamb. Would you repeat that with me? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One more time. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This means the way of God was made known in the, uh, on, in the earth. The saving power of God was declared among the nations. This means the mission was accomplished. And how was it done? It was done by the proclamation of the gospel message among the nations. May the Lord lead our hearts this morning and also give us the boldness to respond to this call this morning. Let us pray.
Let's take a minute to reflect on God's grace and his blessings in our lives. Most gracious Lord, give us the boldness to respond to your call this morning. Help us to live differently and purposefully in the light of your blessings in our lives. Don't let us stay silent with the blessings you have showered in our lives through Jesus Christ. Lord, give us the privilege so that your saving power would be spread among the nations through us. Help us not to stop until all the nations come to worship you. Help us, O Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.